Hello, welcome to Flaunt. Find your sparkle and create the life you love after infidelity and betrayal. Today, we are going to talk about burnout. Let me tell you, as a lifelong overachiever and perfectionist, mm -hmm, I have experienced my fair share of burnout. And through my betrayal and journey after that, I experienced a lot of burnout as well. The intensity of recovering, the intensity of taking care of my family, my job, myself was just too much. That's why I am thrilled to be able to have Dr. Sharon Grossman on as our guest today. She sounds like she's been a lifelong overachiever as well. She is a success coach, a clinical psychologist, author, speaker, wife, and mother of two. So, oh boy, have we got a lot in common. <laughs> For the past two decades, she's worked with improving the health and well-being of high achievers who sacrifice their self-care as a result of everything else, whether it's work, family, or in our case, trauma, and then get caught up with everyone else's expectations so they burn out. What I really love about her is the fact that she has experienced burnout too. And the irony of the fact that she was burning out while teaching others to avoid burnout was an ironic little twist that was not lost on her. So without further ado, welcome to the show. It's so good to have you. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here. Oh, good. Okay, let's start kind of from the beginning here. Burnout is kind of a buzzword. People are always like, oh, I'm so burned out. I'm burned out on this. I'm burned out on that. I'm burned. Let's start with a definition. What is burnout? Yeah, that's a really good place to start. So people use terms like burnout and stress a lot. And what I like to do is kind of help people come to my understanding or my kind of definition. So we're all on the same page. So I want to start with stress actually, because it kind of ties in. So everything starts with stress, right? We all have stress throughout our lives. We talk about how stressed out we are. Um, and, and really, if you want to define that as a term, stress is about your perception where you are in a situation and you feel like the demands of that situation exceed your resources to cope with it. And that's really important to understand because you can be in the same situation as someone else and have a very different response to it. And if you've ever had that happen to you, then this is why, because your perception of that situation is quite different from your friend's perception. And, and, you know, I think people don't understand that this is the reason why they feel stressed or any other negative emotion that they experience. And so they attribute their feelings to the situation. And what I like to teach people is that you actually have a step in between, a step in between the situation and how you feel. And that is, you know, we call it your perception, your thinking, your interpretation, right? So there's some sort of meaning that your brain is making about the situation and it's sending you this message like, oh no, you can't do that. And then you feel stressed out. So I just want to start with that. That's, that's amazing. I love that. And 
that is true. And that also explains why sometimes the exact same situation can trigger you. And sometimes it can't. Because if I've had a full night's sleep and I've worked out and I've eaten well, I'll be like, oh, it's all fine. But if I'm tired or depleted or have just gotten sick, I am more stressed out. And that ties right in that my perception about my ability to handle it is different in both of those situations. Right. And what you're describing too, which is important to think about is your actual resources. So it's not just that we don't believe that we can, but sometimes it's really based on fact. Like if you are sick, you already know that you have less energy that you maybe have, if you're depressed, you have less motivation, whatever the case may be, there's something going on. That's actually making it harder for you than you would otherwise be able to handle. And so the same thing happens with burnout. And this is what I hear all the time is people experience burnout and they notice that their functioning has gone down. Their performance has declined and they start to think there's something wrong with me. I used to be able to do that and now I can't. And that's why so many people who experience this, especially for prolonged periods, will say, I guess I just have to quit my job and find something else, or I need to change my careers because obviously I can't do this anymore. And, um, and that's part of my message to people, because I think that's faulty thinking and it comes from not understanding how this process works. And so that's really the kind of message of hope that I have for your listeners. And, and that is that in the same way that stress can or situations can sometimes feel stressful and sometimes less stressful. You know, when we're talking about acute stress, it's because we change and also, you know, with regards to our resources, but when it comes to our perception, we can also change. And that's where you actually have more power, right? This is like the best news that you have, because if it really was the situation that's causing you to feel stressed out or any other negative emotion insert there, um, then you'd be pretty powerless and maybe you would have to change jobs and maybe you would have to quit your career and start all over again or just do nothing. Right. But if we know that that's the definition of stress, then you either have to increase your resources or you have to change your perception. And the thing that people typically go to is it's too much for me. I need to lower the demands. I need to do less. And what we know from burnout research is actually that when we don't have high demands that we get bored and listen, if you're a high achiever, you don't want to just kind of sit there and do nothing. It's like you want the challenge, right? That keeps you engaged. And so that's something really important for people to consider is it's not necessarily just about lowering the demands. It's about increasing your resources or changing your perception. And if you understand that concept, it's going to come in handy if you are feeling burned out. And so let me just quickly also define burnout so that we can really put all the pieces together. So burnout is when we have chronic stress over time. So what I like people to think about is the difference between acute stress and chronic stress. Acute stress is something that we all experience. It's like that one day when you wake up and you didn't have a good night's sleep, but most of the time you're sleeping all right. So you're going to be tired that one day, but you know that like you'll recover pretty quickly. But what if you were somebody who really struggled with insomnia 
then it's like you never get a good night's sleep. And night after night, you are like sleeping maybe two, three, four hours, and you're just absolutely exhausted. That's chronic stress over time, right? It just builds and builds. And the same thing happens with burnout. So if you experience, let's say, um, you're in a job where you have a really toxic environment, then it's not like one day you show up and everything is daisies and roses. Like it's just the same all the time. And, you know, we can talk about changing your perception, but at the end of the day, if it's not a good fit and it's like eating at your soul, then something more substantial has to change. Right. And until it does, what it's going to do is it's going to chip at you slowly, slowly, slowly. And that starts to build. Right. And then we get to our breaking point, which is where we start to feel like we aren't performing as well. It's harder for us to focus. We don't have the motivation. We become pretty cynical and we are mentally exhausted. Yes. Yes. I really like and appreciate the distinction between the chronic and the acute, because that is what makes you feel like you're in a soul sucking job. It is just a little bit here and a little bit here and a little bit here, but it's that day in, day out that is so challenging. You know, whether it's like that, a toxic job or a toxic relationship or caring for an aging parent or a, you know, a chronically ill child, it's that I'm doing it every single day. And I think sometimes for high achievers, we will give ourselves the self-talk of this isn't that hard. Why am I making such a big deal of it out of it? This isn't that hard. And it's not, it's just the fact that maybe you've done it for 10 years and it does become completely mentally exhausting. Yes. And I think that sometimes when we're in it for 10 years, we've kind of lost touch with our core. And so we don't realize the toll that it's taking on us. So for example, I was just working with a client who is getting a divorce Mm -hmm. and he's very overweight. And so, you know, he split up with his wife. He's now staying in his own place and he just started losing weight and he's not even dieting. And I asked him what's going on. And he said, you know, I think I was in such a toxic relationship that I just had to have chocolate before bed every single night. And now I don't eat chocolate anymore. Right. <laughs> so it's just like just getting out of the house and, and like living on his own has led him to lose weight. And I said, wow, this is exactly what they talk about when they say take a load off. Exactly. You know? When you get out of that toxic situation, whether it's your relationship or your job, it's like all of a sudden you get back to yourself and you realize, hey, I don't have to be this heavy or this miserable or this exhausted. You know, it's yeah. it's so funny how that happens. But like I said, I think like when we're in it for so long, we just forget who we used to be and what's possible for us. Yes. Yes. And I'm really glad that you raised that point because I was even just reflecting on myself. Um A year and a half ago, we had our dog put to sleep, which was really sad, really sad. I hated it, but she had bladder cancer. So it starts off that she needs to go outside every hour. 
Then it's, she has to go outside every half hour. Then she has to go outside every 15 minutes. Then she can't hold it. So we're putting potty pads by the back door. Then she can't get to the back door. So we have potty pads at the back door and coming down the stairs. Then she can't get out of our bedroom. So we have potty pads in the bedroom and on the stairs. And, you know, and pretty soon you're like, oh my God, I can't take it another day. And you think what's wrong, but you haven't seen it coming because you're in it every single day. Yeah. And it's just a takeover your life, right? It sounds like it, it went from like every hour to like every minute of every, every day and it becomes too much. Yeah. Yeah. And like that, until we had her put to sleep, I didn't realize how exhausting it had become until the stress was gone. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of like when people go on vacation and then they're like, oh, this is actually relaxing. I forgot what that felt like. Yes. Okay. So that's another thing. Relaxing. Our nervous systems are so jacked up just from the world that we live in. There's the constant news cycle. There's the constant connectivity online. There's our phones going off every two minutes. There's even in the pandemic, there's people. It's just constant input, 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 input. What about that? I mean, what is the difference between burnout and just my nervous system can't take any more input because this is the world that we live in? So what you're describing sounds like overwhelm. And that's when we, it's kind of like when you have your computer and there's too many tabs open and then your computer just like restarts because it's like, I can't, I can't handle this. (laughs) Right. And I feel like that's what happens with burnout as well is we just keep piling more on and more on and more on. And then we get to that breaking point and then we're like, you know what? I don't want any of it. So we go from like all to nothing. Yes. And I think the important thing is to understand and really like to tune into yourself in order for you to understand what is reasonable and not to continue to take on things until you reach your breaking point, but to be able to check in with yourself and say, you know, and, and I do this exercise with my clients. Sometimes I'll say, you know, if you were your cell phone, (laughs) right. What would your battery be at right now? I love that question because we have that concept in our mind of what, you know, we can look at our phone and it'll say uh, it's a 20% or it's a 10% or whatever it is. And then I say, well, if your phone was at 10%, what would you do right now? And they'll say, I would plug it in. And I'm like, okay, so you have to have that gauge with yourself in order to know what you need in this moment, because it changes from moment to moment, as we said, and from day to day. So if you can ask yourself that question, then you can find what you need to do right now for yourself, rather than just keep focusing externally on all the things on your to-do list or all the things that you said you were going to do or whatever it is, right? It's like so easy for us to lose sight of ourselves and just focus on all the externals. But that's the recipe for burnout because you're not balancing the equation. You're not taking the time out to recharge. And if you did that with your phone, you know exactly what would happen. Yes. Okay. So this leads to the million dollar question, I think, (laughs) because I am big on objectification. We objectify ourselves. We make ourselves machines. We make ourselves superhuman. I can do it all. I can do it all. And that question, I love that question. It's so simple. Why is it that we will look at ourselves 
we will say, oh, I'm an only 10%, but I can do it. I can go on. What is it in us, in your opinion, that makes us constantly and chronically objectify ourselves and not give ourselves what we need? That's a beautiful question. And my take on it is that we are driven, you know, as like super high achievers, I think we are driven often by a sense of inadequacy and a need to prove ourselves. And so that keeps coming up for people. Uh, a lot of the people that I work with feel like they're not good enough. They're not smart enough. There's constantly a fear of being found out of not doing enough of people not uh, of people looking down on them or whatever the case may be. So I had a client, for instance, that was incredibly successful, had been in his job for years and years, <clears throat> sorry. And every day would show up to work with a fear of being fired. It never went away. And the truth of the matter is it stems from your core beliefs. And so until you work on a deep level in terms of your belief system, then really it's hard to change how you feel. Yes. And what you do is a result of how you feel. So if you feel inadequate, you're going to overcompensate in order to start to feel like you deserve to be in the room with all these people or that you deserve to be in this relationship. I had a client who had this exact notion. She was in a dead end relationship. And you know what? She kept showing up and still not getting what she wanted from this guy. And her conclusion was always, it's because I'm not good enough. I need to do more. Right. And it's like, at what point do you just take a step back and say, I'm in the wrong relationship? Like, it's not always you, right? And, and that's, I think, a huge pitfall that people have is they make everything about them. Yes. Right? Like, if you're dating someone and they don't text you immediately back, it's because you're not attractive enough to them or, you know, they're not interested in you. Um, if you make a mistake at work, everyone's going to look at you like you're the biggest fool and, you know, you shouldn't have made that mistake. And it's like, we have these really unrealistic expectations of ourselves. And we're constantly thinking about all the worst things that could happen. And we live with a ton of anxiety as a result and all of this stress, because it's like, I don't know if I can do that. I don't know if I can be perfect in that. And, and, and we have that unrealistic expectation that we should be. Right. So much of what you said is so on point for women and men who have been betrayed. Their partner, their spouse makes a choice and takes action and betrays them, yet they wear their shame. I can't talk about it. I must not have been a good partner. I must not have been a good spouse. I must not be pretty enough. I must not be enough. They did nothing wrong. And do you find that women more often do that than men or in your experience, is it about the same for either? That's a good question. Um, I do find that women tend to have lower self-confidence. So I think we're just culturally raised to be more externally focused, but that's not to say that men don't struggle with these things. Like I used to think that only women are worried about their appearance and that meant because, you know, you'd go to the beach right. and you'd see guys with their like huge bellies hanging out and you're like, they don't care. 
And the truth of the matter is like so many guys actually are embarrassed and they care just as much as women do. I think it's just culturally like there are different standards. So like women feel like they have to wear like the dress and the high heels and wear the makeup and have the hair and guys can just show up with like shorts and sandals (laughs) and it'd be totally fine, you know? (laughs) So like, even though they, you know, they need to kind of groom themselves and everything else, it's just, there's less layers of things to do. Right. Whereas women have to go to the nth degree and that's kind of just the culture that we're in. And so I think that ultimately everybody struggles with this concept of I'm not good enough. And that's why we see so much imposter syndrome, but I do think that you see more like men tend to uh, be bolder often. So when it comes to work, for example, men will just ask for more money, right? They'll like show up and and women will be like, oh, I don't know. I don't want to like piss anybody off. And I don't want to like show, you know, I don't want to feel like, I don't want people to think I'm a diva or, you know, like, so we hold ourselves back. And I often say to my clients, what would you do if you were a guy in this situation? I'd be like, oh yeah, I would totally ask for that raise. I'm like, do it. I love that. So that's a great question because that was the next place that I wanted to go. If inadequacy is a core belief and there's that cultural culturalization too, that women need to be the good girl and women need to do that. And you've got this core belief that is really making you overcompensate because you are feeling adequate. How do you go about changing that mindset? So you're not constantly proving yourself and stressing yourself out and creating burnout in your own life. Yeah. So there's really no shortcut to this. You have to work on reprogramming and that's just deeper work. And so you can do it on a deep level. And I do this with some of my clients where I'll have them write out all the things that they believe and all of the negative emotions that they experience and all of the actions that they take that all the like bad habits or the things that they want to stop doing, whether it's drinking or smoking or procrastinating or whatever it is. Right. So all the self-sabotaging kind of stuff. And then I'll ask them, what do you want it to be? Yeah. How do you want to feel? What do you want to believe? You know, all these kinds of uh, questions. And I have them turn those statements around And then I have them create a recording of those turnaround statements and just listen to it for 15 minutes a day. Oh, I love that. And what happens over time. So typically what people say in the beginning is, yeah, but I just don't believe it. Like I'm hearing it, but I just don't believe it. And I said, that is exactly why you're doing this exercise. That is exactly the point. Yeah. Right. But what happens when you start to do this work is it starts to settle in and all of a sudden you're like, yeah, actually that does make sense. And what it does too is so, so much of our stuff is subconscious, right? And so we're just kind of an automatic pilot with a lot of our behaviors and how we think about things and how we feel. And so when you start doing this work in the early stages, the first thing people say is, they just become more mindful. So it just goes from your subconscious to your conscious mind. And all of a sudden you're like, wait, I actually can do it differently in this situation. So it takes them out of that autopilot. Yes. And so they start to hear that inner voice sound different. So instead of the voice saying, you can't do it, then they might hear it saying, 
like I had a, I had a writer that I was working with and she had this massive writer's block and total imposter syndrome. And I, I said to her, you know, why don't you say one sentence leads to another, Hmm. right? Like you just have to start with one sentence. And she started listening to this tape of hers. And what happened is she would start writing and she would hear one sentence leads to another. Like it just would like pop up that that voice would pop up in her head and would allow her to continue writing without overthinking it, without saying, oh, my God, this whole project. Like, no, you don't have to think about the end result. You just have to think about that one sentence and then the next sentence and then the next sentence, you know, and so sometimes we do become overwhelmed because we think about too many things at once. And we think about the end result and the big project and, you know, how we're going to get there. It's kind of like, if you're training for a marathon, how am I going to run a marathon? It's like, you don't have to think about that. You just have to go out and run today. And then Mm -hmm. tomorrow you add another mile and the next day you add another mile and then you eventually get there, you know, but you got to start with something. Mm -hmm. And that's what that reprogramming helps you do. So for people who aren't quite ready to commit to doing that kind of level of work, I would also say if you just want to test this out, you just find one statement that would really change your life. So if you really believe that you're not enough, just tell yourself, I am enough, like all throughout the day. And I have my clients put reminders on their phones and put sticky notes up in their houses or whatever kind of will remind you to say it because until it's become a habit, you're going to forget about it. Yes. And what I like about that is it's the whole confirmation bias thing. And for listeners who don't know what that is, is basically when you have a belief, your brain scans and seeks out things that confirm that belief. So if you've got the belief, yeah, that you're not enough, everything you hear or see, you will interpret as not being enough. And if you've got that one statement, I am enough, I am financially abundant, I am, you know, strong and smart, whatever it is, then your brain on its own will start seeking out things that confirm that. So it is like a snowball. It's going to grow and you will change. Yeah. And you start to believe it over time, which is the coolest thing ever. Right. And so I had a friend who was telling me her coworker would always say, I am lucky and things work out for me. And then my, my friend was like, I don't, I don't feel like I'm lucky, but maybe (laughs) I'll just try it. I'll just say it to myself. And she would say it and she's like, nah, I don't really believe it. And, and, you know, like day one, day two kind of thing. "Eh, I don't really believe it. And then eventually she's like, I actually am lucky. Like she got to that point where it actually started to feel true. Yeah. And so I think it's just having that repetition helps you reprogram your beliefs because really those beliefs got there because you practice them. Yeah. We're not born with them. Nobody's born believing that they're not enough. There's no baby that comes out of the womb saying, I'm not a good enough baby. This is something that we absorb through our early life experiences and through our faulty thinking, to be honest. And, And the reason is the reason I say that is because, you know, when you're, when you're five years old, and your parents are fighting or mom is depressed or dad's an alcoholic or whatever's going on and your brain isn't fully developed and you make it mean something about you, that's faulty thinking. Yeah. But that's how your beliefs get established. And then you just drag it for the rest of your life. 
and you never really revisit and say like, where did this come from? And does this even make sense? And is this even true? Like we don't do that work. We just kind of assume that it is because it's there because we think it. Mm -hmm. And that's really a slippery slope is like just believing everything that pops into your mind. Your mind lies to you all the time. (laughs) It does. It does. And since my mind lies to me all the time. Your mind lies to you all the time. Our parents' minds lied to them all the time. Our kids. I mean, it's such a quagmire of faulty thinking. And I can reflect back on some of the messages that I inadvertently raised my kids with, you know, trying to get them to comply, trying to get them to do piano, trying to get them to stay safe. You tell your kids things and you'd never intend for it to become a belief. And you're absolutely right. If you start looking back on your own childhood and some of the messages, it's just a teacher who's overwhelmed trying to control the classroom and is saying something that has nothing to do with you, but just has there to do about them. Maybe they're overwhelmed in that moment. So yeah, it's, it's a lot to untangle. And one of the things that I tell my clients is, Just think about it this way. 99% of the things that other people do or say is not about you. And what we do is we we actually believe the opposite. We believe that 99% of the things that people do or say is about us. And that's our kind of default interpretation. So when we're talking about stress and about perception, it really ties in because, you know, if you always make it mean something faulty about you when somebody else is unhappy, when something goes wrong, then you're going to burn out. Like it's nobody's business. Totally. You're going to be so unhappy and so miserable because you walk around believing that everything is your fault, that you are the biggest screw up that ever lived. And it keeps confirming that belief. Like you said, that you are not enough. So we are constantly get like stuck in that loop of believing it, thinking it, feeling it, and then reconfirming it through everything that happens around us. Right. Right. We're going to take a break a few minutes from our sponsors. And then we come back. I want to hit anxiety and some things that listeners can do when they feel either anxious or stressed or burned out. So we will be back in just a moment. Do you feel betrayed by life, your body, or by someone that you love? You are not alone and you are not weak or overly emotional for feeling the way that you do. Betrayal is one of the most overwhelmingly painful experiences to navigate because it strikes at the core of who you are and what you are worth. No matter how gutted you feel, there is hope. You can flourish, not in spite of your experience, But because of it, I know. After 23 years of marriage, my world was shattered when I found out that my husband had been cheating on me with five different women for 15 years. I lost everything that day, my identity, my worth, and the future I had worked so hard to create. While it was a long and arduous journey back to myself, today I know who I am what I want, and I am happier and more confident than I ever was before. I've got what I call naked self-worth, which is the ability to see, know, and love yourself for who you are, not for what you accomplish or for who you are in relation to others. 
No matter what has shattered your heart, if you're ready to get clear on who you are, what you want, and to learn how good life really can be, then life choreography is for you. Even if you feel too old or are too busy because you have kids at home and you're in charge of everything, life choreography is a comprehensive five-month, five-step program that empowers you to strip out of your labels, roles, and scripts, and to reveal yourself as you are, not as you think you should be. To learn more, go to nakedselfworth.com and download your free guide that shows you how to untangle yourself from the past, reclaim your sexy, and start re-choreographing life on your own terms so you can love and be loved for exactly who you most authentically are. And we are back with Dr. Sharon Grossman, burnout coach. And we are talking about all things burnout because let's face it, the way that we live today, we are all overwhelmed. We are all anxious and we all face burnout, especially those of us who are high achievers, especially those of us who are like, I can do it. I can do it. I can, I can fix the world. I can end racism. I can do this. I can do that. And then in reality, when we can't, we start thinking, oh my gosh, I am such a failure and everything I do is awful. And then we start spiraling down and we make ourselves and those we love completely miserable. So we are going to bring Dr. Sharon right back. And we're going to talk about some of the things that we can do to reverse that cycle, to notice when we're on the verge of really, truly burning out, not just needing a 10 minute break, but really burning out and get some solutions going. So welcome back. Thank you. So let's talk about, before we go into some of the solutions, another word that you had mentioned was anxiety. We've got stress. We've got burnout. <laughs> We've got anxiety. Let's talk about a little bit anxiety. How is that different than overwhelm and stress and burnout? Yeah, I love talking about this stuff. <laughs> it's funny because it sounds like such a negative thing, right? And um, you you wouldn't expect that to be like a fun conversation, but I love <laughs> just teasing things apart and helping people really kind of understand how their mind works. Yeah. So, so, you know, we talked about how stress is basically your perception of what's happening right now. Um, and burnout is kind of the buildup of that. Anxiety is really... Uh, it's something that has to do with the future. So it's when we are worried about something that has not yet happened. So we think about, oh, tomorrow I'm going to have to take that plane. I'm going to have to wake up so early. I'm going to be so tired. What if I miss the flight? You know, like that may never happen, but we spend all this time and energy worrying about all this stuff. And for example, I had a client yesterday that I was talking to who was talking about how she's really stressed about this one aspect of her job. And so just for fun, I asked her, let me, let me, let me just find out when you think about your job as a whole, what would life be like if you didn't have this one thing that was stressing you out or that, that you were anxious about, right? If you just took that out of the equation, what would life be like for you? And she said, I would find something else to be anxious about. 
Okay. And I've actually heard that. I've actually heard that a lot. So some people just have an anxious brain and they're always looking for something to be anxious about. And the reason we do this is because we have this belief that if we aren't in control, if we don't know everything that's going to happen, if we don't have certainty and predictability in our lives, then everything is going to fall to pieces. Something bad is going to happen. And so we feel like we have to think about everything in advance, know all the things that are going to happen and have all of our contingency plans in place. Yes. And the truth of the matter is, when you think about it, I mean, if you had to sit down and and actually invite people to do this exercise, sit down and write out all the things you worry about and then follow up and see how many of those actually come true. How many of the things that you worry about actually happen? And what you're going to find most likely is that close to zero of those things actually ever happen. And what that tells you is that you waste so much time and energy on nothing. Right. Right. And I recently read this book and the author of it had this metaphor that I absolutely loved about anxiety. So I want to share it with you guys. Good. And so she said, anxiety is like being in a rocking chair. You rock back and forth, but you're not going anywhere. And I was like, this is so brilliant, right? Because that's essentially what you're doing when you're anxious. You're going through, there's this loop of, you know, it's kind of like listening to the same message in a loop. Well, what if this happens? And what if that happens? Well, what it is? And you're just kind of going around and around and around, always thinking about all the bad things that could happen. And what if it happened? And then you're going to be so screwed and all this stuff. And you're going to be so miserable. And you're making yourself miserable right now. And the truth of the matter is most of the things that you worry about actually don't happen. So it's like, what is the point, right? And the point that people say for themselves is, again, that they feel like they need to be in control. And what I said to my client is this, what I really believe when people are stuck in that loop is that they don't trust themselves. So they have to come up with all of these contingencies in advance and worry about all the things that could potentially go wrong because they just don't trust that they're going to be able to get off that rocking chair and jump into action. They don't believe that they have the capability and the creativity to figure it out in the moment. And so they're just spinning out all the time. And I'm like, listen, If you're doing that, it's an indication that you need to work on your relationship with yourself. Mm -hmm. Let me add this. This is something that I see with a lot of women. Uh, I mostly work with women too. Yes, they don't trust themselves. In my case, a lot of the women have been betrayed and they think, how did I not see that? And there's also a deep-seated belief that I don't deserve to be happy. Yes. I can't accept pleasure. My lot in life is serving others. It's not receiving and enjoying. Yeah, I I see that all the time. And I think it goes very hand in hand with the I am not enough, right? So if you are inadequate, if you believe you're inadequate, then the next logical belief is then I don't deserve good things. And then my job is to please everybody else so that they can validate me. And if they say I'm good enough, then I can have the reward. But until then, 
I really don't deserve all the things that I want. I can want them, but ultimately I'm never going to get them because I'm not enough. I'm not good enough to have them. And you know, this is where sabotage really starts. Yes. Right. And so you see people who actually are successful and then they sabotage their business or they spend all their money and they go broke or they, you know, have like the most amazing relationship and they believe like they don't deserve to be in it and they mess it all up. Right. They like create drama or they cheat on their partner or they do something that um, makes the person want to leave them. Right. So I think it all comes back down to your belief system. And um, if you're struggling with this and if you're stuck in that pattern, then they're really, I mean, I know people go and they, they try different things. And usually what I see is people focus in on their behaviors, right? If I do it differently, I'll have a different result. And the truth of the matter is it's really hard. You could do it that way, but it's just such an uphill struggle and a much easier way to do it is to start from the top down. And what we know is our beliefs are at the very top of the pyramid. And then everything that happens, all the situation, all the circumstances that we have perceptions about all, everything's filtered through that lens of your belief. So if you believe you're not good enough, then something happens and you're going to make it mean something about you and your failure. And then you're going to feel like a failure. You're going to have self-doubt. You're going to have anxiety because if you are a failure, then you're probably going to mess up in the future. It makes sense. And then if you're feeling really anxious, then the behavior is going to be that you ruminate or that you avoid things, you run away, you procrastinate. And so we, that's the, that's kind of how sabotage all comes into play. And so you can say, well, I'll just stop procrastinating. But it's so hard to do it when you don't believe that you deserve the results. It's yes. so hard. And, and so people sometimes do that and then they get the result, but then they, like I said, then they sabotage it. So they don't get to keep it. They don't get to hold on to it. And so there's really no shortcut to this. You have to start from the top and you have to work on changing your beliefs and listen, I mean, at the end of the day, what's going to feel best. It's going to be when you believe that you are good enough and that you deserve happiness. There's nothing yeah. that's going to feel better in your life than that. So why would you take a shortcut? Yes. Why would you just focus on the outcome of, you know, making the million dollars or whatever it is you want? Cause how many people make a million dollars and they're absolutely miserable? Right. Absolutely. You know? Absolutely. I love, I've been writing down a lot of notes so I can have great show notes, but I love, 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 love how you said And the reason I love it is because I think 99.99999% of everybody in the world actually can agree with this. My job is to please others. So then they will validate me (laughs) and then I'll deserve it. It is that crazy little loop. And we also live in a world of instant gratification. All you've got to do, you don't have to diet and exercise to lose weight. You just need to take this magic pill. You don't need to do deep relationship work. You just need to join this app and find your magic partner and then he'll fix you or she'll fix you. It's hard to think about doing the work and it's hard when it's not a specified time. It's not like four years in undergrad, three years for this. It's kind of unspecified. It's a little bit elusive, 
And it's my presumption around that, that that's sometimes what throws people off is they think, I don't really want to go down this. It's uncomfortable. There's no guaranteed results and uh, it's going to be hard. What do you have to say to people around what they can expect, why they should do it to get them to actually do this work? Because truly it's not, it's not as frightening as many people think that it is. Yeah. I think there's a few answers that I have for that. Yeah. Number one is they have to find the fun in the journey. And so we're always thinking, oh, if only I lost the weight, then I'd be happy. Or if only I had the guy in my life, then I'd be happy. And the truth of the matter is when you're out there dating or when you're like working on dieting and whatever it is you're working on, that has to be fun because otherwise you're not going to stick with it. And so you have to figure out how can I make this a fun experience for me? So every time I go out on a date, I'll find like something to laugh about, or I'll find, even if I don't like the guy, I'll just find like one thing that I admire about this person or one, one, you know, experience that I can hold on to that's memorable, you know, and you don't have to marry this guy, but you go out on a date, you're already there. You might as well enjoy it. Exactly. You know, you, you know, cause it's all stories. So you go, let's say you go on a hundred dates, you're going to have a hundred stories and that's like super <laughs> cool. And if you think about it like that, they can be miserable stories or they can be funny stories. So make it funny, make it fun. You know, um, I was just listening to this podcast and this woman was saying how um, she hated going to the dentist. She absolutely dreaded going to the dentist because her teeth were horrible and they would poke around and her gums would bleed and it was just completely not fun. And so it was really cool how she, she had this whole thinking about how can I make this a good experience? How can I make it going to the dentist fun? And I'm saying this because I want you to think about whatever it is that you're going through, how you can make it fun. And if we can make the dentist fun, I think we can agree that anything. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. So she went to the dentist and they're like, listen, your teeth are in horrible shape. And so she said, how can I make my teeth the best teeth? Ever. And so they said, here's what you got to do. You got to go home. You got to, br- you got to floss twice a day. You got to do the water pick thing. You got to brush and all this kind of stuff. So, um, she decided she was going to do this to a T. And so she created a calendar. She did all the things they asked her to do. She came back 90 days later to the dentist and they're like, you have the most amazing teeth. And she was like, yes. And she, she, she was like, it was so fun to like prove to myself that I can make this fun and that I can have these results. And the, what she was saying is before the way that I was, she's like, I was brushing my teeth, but I would floss like one day. Yes. One day. No. Like I was just kind of not fully showing up for myself. And Mm -hmm. when I came in and I did it a hundred percent, I did it with the intention of, of doing a good job. And then it was fun to get to that accomplishment of like, yes, now my teeth are amazing, right? I've proved it. And I think you have to think about whatever your journey is in that way of how can you make everyday fun? And I think what makes it fun from a mindset perspective is knowing that you are showing up for yourself. Yeah. And I think it's so easy for us to be lazy and not take action and be passive 
and complain and say, well, everybody else has it so much easier than me and take that victim mentality. But at the end of the day, when you make a commitment to yourself and you start showing up each and every day, you feel empowered, you feel strong, you start developing confidence in yourself and everything starts to shift. So even if you don't have the results right away, you feel different. And there's so much to be said about that. You don't feel like that victim anymore. You're like, Hey, I'm doing this. And I'm so focused. I'm so laser, like focused on this goal. I'm so clear on what I'm going after and I'm doing it. And then you feel really proud of yourself. And so everything starts to be more fun and more fulfilling than you just sitting around and complaining and whining about it. And and so that's kind of one piece that I would say. And, and, um, and I think that's a big piece. And, and what happens, I think, is that people don't take the time to commit to themselves. Yes. Yes. I want to dive into committing to yourself, but I want to uh, throw in another little point on the fun that is so near and dear to my heart. Fun is so vital and so important. And that's part of the reason that I use burlesque in all of my work. Burlesque is a parody. It's ironic. And if we can make a parody of all of this horrible stuff in our day, it just becomes more fun. And one of my mind tricks, and I've talked about it in my book, is that, you know, that do 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 circus song. That's a song that just kicks into my brain. That is a habit. When things start going crazy, I start hearing that song in my head and it becomes funny. This is my circus. These are my monkeys and I'm hearing the circus music and I'm not going to melt down. It's fun and it's funny and it always helps. So I really wanted to throw that in there because not only is fun more fun, but it's an amazing tool. It is. It makes, it makes a huge difference in the experience. So I think the thing that people struggle with is the journey because they want the result now. And it's like, stop focusing, just stop focusing on the destination, like focus on your, your road there. And it's kind of like, if you were going to go on a road trip, yeah, right. You, yes, you want to get to your destination, but like, what about if you made that road trip so fun and you put on your favorite songs and you were like dancing the whole way there and you were like sharing the fun with your friend who's with you in the car or, you know, if you made it fun or if you listen, like what would I do when I'm on a road trip with my family is we put on an audio book. Yes. And so we all get really mesmerized. We all get into the story and it makes the time pass. And so we actually look forward to being in the car as opposed to before the kids would be fighting. They're bored. We're like, when are we going to get there? There's nothing to look at from the window. Like now it makes it fun. So now every time we get in the car, my daughter's like, can we put the book back on? Can we put the book back on? She's so excited. And, you know, and now it's like the road trip itself, the desk, the, the journey itself is part of the fun. Yeah. I love that. And you had mentioned before we went into that committing to yourself, that's a concept. We could probably have a whole show on committing to yourself. Absolutely. Yeah. But why is that a challenge for people? I think it comes back to the fact that a, we don't believe we deserve whatever it is and B, we don't believe in ourselves. So it's hard for us to, like I said before, people don't trust themselves to figure things out. People don't um, trust that if I make this commitment, I'm going to be able to follow through. Right. So I think 
there's a lot to be said for doing the work and getting to a point where you believe in yourself. Oh, totally. Totally. And, and, and then getting into the habit of making that commitment to yourself and showing up, Yes. whether it's your self-care, whether it's, you know, doing a project for work, whatever it is, we're working on your relationships, anything like you have to do the work. Like it's not going to fall on your lap and people are afraid of hard work for some reason. Yeah. Right. And, and the truth of the matter is like, just if we're going to borrow the concept of fun, make it fun, but show, but make it a habit of showing up every day. So, um, I think also we, we kind of think it's a toss up between I can have fun now or I could do this other thing. That's not that fun. Right. Like Good I can go watch Netflix or I could sit down and meditate. Of course, I'm going to choose Netflix. Right? right. But we don't think about number one, that meditation can be fun. And number two, that we get to reap the benefits of showing up every single day and meditating because then life becomes so much easier. Right. So when we do these things, like we get into shape or, you know, we lose the weight or whatever the case may be that you're doing that you have to show up for yourself for, we actually reap the benefits long-term, not just now. And what we miss the mark on is that when we sit down and watch Netflix or when we're eating this garbage food or whatever we're doing to get that instant gratification, that's when we actually start to create more problems in our lives because now we've gained the weight and now, you know, we have a drinking problem and now we, you know, we're, right. we're just, we're just not fine. We're not, this little thing that we're doing right now is instead of in, in the future, creating the kind of life that we want, we're actually creating a problematic future and we are very short-sighted and that's really the biggest travesty. Yes. I, I appreciate that you said that because it is true. It's easy and it's fun to eat and drink in the moment. And then you've got type two diabetes and then you've got, right. pain, and then you've, you know, there, a disc is <laughs> blown in your back because you're carrying too much weight and suddenly life isn't fun. Yeah. And so when you said diabetes, what it made me think of is that dentist story. And yes. it's, so if you have diabetes because you're eating all that chocolate every night, like how fun would it be if you took that on as a challenge and then did your blood work, you know, at the beginning and three months in, and then saw that you could change your health just by doing this. And, and what you would find when you got there in three months is not only were you able to do it, but now you're not craving that chocolate anymore. And now it's so much easier that you don't have to struggle yeah. every day with the decision or should I, or shouldn't I? So it's like, when you, when you make these challenges for yourself and you make the commitment and you're showing up, life can be amazing. Absolutely. I know listeners are going to want to get a copy of your book and I know they're going to want to peruse your website because it's my guess that everything that you have said has resonated with them, whether it's through their betrayal journey or whether it's through life or parenting or showing up at work. Where can they get a hold of your book? Where can they learn more about you? So my book is called The 7E Solution to Burnout, Transforming High Achievers from Exhausted to Extraordinary. And while it focuses on burnout, everything that I talked about here today really aligns because it's about a personal journey 
And I am teaching you the kind of skills and the mindsets to help you be successful in your life, no matter what you're facing. So that is available on Amazon and everywhere else where, you know, online books are sold. Um, and then my website is drsharongrossman.com. I've got, you know, if people want to get in touch, there's a way for them to do that. Um, and then the other, the other thing that I would love to gift people who, if they are burned out and they want a taste of what, you know, what it's like to go through the tools in my book and, and have more of a audio visual experience of that. Um, I actually created a seven day challenge. Yeah. So every day you get an email that's got a video lesson and it's got a little exercise and you can take yourself on this little challenge, um, that takes you through each of the seven E solutions. So, uh, that is seven day burnout challenge.com. So seven day burnout challenge.com to get your free seven day challenge to overcoming your burnout. I love that. And you know what I would love to do listeners. If you want to do it on your own, do it on your own. I'm totally going to do it. But if you would also like to do that in a group, I'm going to put that in my flaunt flock Facebook group, and I'm going to challenge people to do it together. So yeah. So if any of you want to do it in the flaunt flock Facebook group, if you're already there, perfect. I will put up the link. If you're not already there, hop on Facebook, join the flaunt flock Facebook group, and we will do the seven day burnout challenge. So check it out. Seven day burnout challenge.com jump in the flaunt flock Facebook group. And we are all going to be having so much fun and having a fantastic life going. I love it. I love it. And listen, if, if you're going to do that, I would love to come in on the, and like the eighth day and yeah. just talk to people and, and ask about their experience and just hear all of their stories about transformation and what they learned. How fun. Let's do it. I am all in listeners. I can't wait to see you in the flock. I can't wait to have this one-on-one um, on the eighth day, figure out what we all learned, have an amazing week. And as usual, always remember to flaunt exactly who you are because who you are is always more than enough. Tune in next time to Flaunt. Build your dreams, live your sparkle with radio host Laura Cheadle every Wednesday at 7 a.m. and 7 p.m. Eastern Time on syndicated Dream Vision 7 Radio Network. Overcome the need to please and find the uninhibited joy of being exactly who you are right now. Come find your fetish, laugh out loud, accept unconditionally, navigate the negative, and trust in your truth. Find out more and get your free gift at lauracheadle.com. That's L-O-R-A-C-H-E-A-D-L-E.com.